Welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. I'm your host, Bailey Miles. The Building Excellence Podcast is all about sharing inspiring stories from some of the most successful athletes, coaches, business minds, and thought leaders to help you build excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. We hope this show provides you with tremendous value. If you find the show impactful, please share with a friend and on social media, as well as subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate it. Thanks. Now let's get to the show and start building excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. I've got a friend of mine, Jordan Cernkamp, with me. Uh, He is with the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, Jordan, thanks for being on. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. If you wouldn't mind, kind of give us some context uh, about growing up, what that was like for you and some of the experiences that helped shape you, if you wouldn't mind. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, obviously in Charlotte, North Carolina right now, but I've kind of lived all over the last couple of years just because of the, the nature of the business. But I grew up in, in Mooresville, Indiana, just a super small town, probably 30 minutes southwest of Indianapolis. Uh, at the time, it seemed like the one stoplight, one gas station type of place, right? So um, grew up there. Uh, most of my family on both sides uh, lived in that area. So it was kind of nice, had a really nice uh, kind of support system growing up with my grandparents being around, mom, dad, all of that. Um, so it all kind of started there. Um, went to Wabash College and college, played basketball there uh, for four years, studied economics and rhetoric um, with the understanding that I wanted to go kind of into the business world. And as you can tell, that that worked out for me kind of in a different <laughs> direction. Uh, but no, my, my growing up and all of that was, was awesome. Um, had some really, really good experiences from a very young age. Uh, got into sports at a very young age, um, got into a lot of different things, to be honest with you. And I think it, it really helped me looking back on it now, right? Like um, just the diverse experiences I was able to have with the different sports and the different clubs and programs and stuff I did, even through like middle school and high school. Um, it really built my foundation that allowed me to kind of find out what my passion is. Um, and, I, and I learned that was coaching and helping people right through various lenses. Um, I'm lucky enough that it's through basketball now, um, but through those different things um, growing up, the competitive aspect of sports, all of that stuff has really been a, a foundational piece to, to who I still am today. Uh, well, like I said, went to Wabash College, was there for four years and graduated. Um, at that point, I knew I kind of wanted to get into the basketball world, but I kind of wanted to do the business side of it. I uh, wasn't sure that, that coaching was, was right initially, uh, we worked Butler basketball camps together with little kids. And um, I did that for all four years of my college career. And um, as I got to the point where it was time to graduate, my playing career came to an end. And there's like that two to three month period where like your career ends as an athlete in college. And then you're like waiting for graduation. And I'm sitting there. I knew I wanted to do kind of the grad school thing and stuff. And I'm like, man, like what, what direction do I really want to go? And I took like two or three weeks off from not doing anything basketball related at all. I was like, you know, I've done this my entire life. I'm going to finally just step away from it. Like it's over, whatever. And as I did that, like, I felt like a part of me, like changing that I didn't want to change. Um, and it just became something where I'm like, you know, I, I feel like a part of me is missing. Um, I don't feel like, like this is the type of direction I want my life to go uh, without sports or basketball in it. Um, so I just kind of found myself naturally back in the gym. Like I would, my workouts would just be going in and shooting on the gun, or I would work out teammates. Like I would just do these like random things that 
to me didn't mean anything at the time, right? I'm like, man, like, I just, I love this. It's fun. I like doing it, like whatever. And then, you know, one day, uh, one of my college coaches walked in and I was working out one of our freshmen or sophomores at the time. He's like, you know, have you ever thought about doing this? I'm like, coaching? I'm like, yeah, like you should really look into doing something like that. Like you, you're in here all the time on your free will. You're here on the weekends. You're here at night. You're here in the morning. Like you should really just like, do you not like see it? And it's so funny because people always say that like, you find your passion and you find your why and you find your purpose when you don't expect it. Right. And mine was staring me in my face for four years in college and even after that. Right. And then you finally, you finally like, Oh, like here it is. Like it's been staring at me the entire time. So I'm like, yeah, like maybe, maybe this is something I should try. Uh, so uh, with my connections with Butler, uh, with Brad Stevens, Ronald Norad, who who's worked with me here in Charlotte, also in Brooklyn, that's a little bit later on. Um, he was a player at Butler, uh, Matthew Graves, who was on that coaching staff the year that Butler went to kind of the back-to-back -back national final forwards, Darnell Archie, all these Butler guys, um, were kind of my main connections in the coaching world. So I was able to talk to them a little bit about kind of what the process would look like in, in taking that route into coaching. Uh, at the time, Matthew Graves had just accepted the head coaching job at the university of South Alabama. So he was heading down that way, um, to the South and he's like, Hey, uh, you know, I have a graduate assistant spot open for you, you know, uh, if you would want it, you would, you would come here, you're not going to make very much money, you're, you're basically not going to get paid at all, but we'll pay for your education. Um, and it would be a really good way to kind of get your foot in the door, especially at the division one level Wabash is division three. Uh, so I had some academic scholarships and stuff, but I by no sense had like a full, full ride, you know, I, I had a really good college career, I enjoyed my time there, but I wasn't you know, some guy that had professional aspirations once I was done playing. So uh, to be able to get an opportunity like that at the division one level was, was eye-opening for me and something super exciting. So I, I took it, uh, moved on a whim, didn't really know what to expect. I'd always lived at home in Indiana. My family, like I said, is all from there. So uh, it took a little bit of discomfort, right? Got out of my comfort zone, moving down to Alabama, of course, like the very deep South part of Alabama. So um, that was a little bit of a culture shock as well. Uh, I did that for two years um, and all the experiences and stuff that came like with that, we can dive into a little bit more if you have interest, but um, got my master's degree and then was lucky enough that the coaching staff there liked me enough that they moved me up full-time onto the staff, did that for two more years. And then the, the professional basketball opportunities kind of came knocking uh, my relationship with Ron Norred obviously was a, was a big piece of that. At that point, he was with the Brooklyn Nets and the Long Island Nets, um, and the G league. Uh, and they were looking for someone to do video work. I had done a little bit of it, um, in my time at South Alabama being the grad assistant and ops guy, but, uh, took that challenge and opportunity. Um, so I moved again, culture shock from Mobile, Alabama to, to Brooklyn, New York, uh, was with him for one year doing that. Uh, and then he actually moved here to Charlotte to be an assistant coach here on uh, Coach Borrego's staff. And uh, they had a video spot open. I uh, was lucky enough to have an opportunity to interview with the staff here and, and get the opportunity. Uh, did the assistant video thing here for a year, really established a lot of great relationships with a lot of the coaches that are all still here today. Um, and then after a year doing that, was bumped to the head video role. And, and that's kind of where I'm at now, getting ready to go into year three. Um, of that. So that's a little synopsis of kind of my background and, and how I've gotten to where I have um, a lot of risk taking, if you will, um, a lot of betting on yourself and a lot of just really strong relationships that have, have helped me to get here.
Absolutely. There's a lot to unpack in that right there. That yeah. little synopsis yeah. of it. Because uh, you touched a lot of great points. And, and that's one of the things we like to dive into people's story. And you can see kind of the natural progression, but also you can see the characteristics of some things you've done along the way. Just in a sense, kind of like finding your passion or your why. You were kind of doing these things already. Uh, maybe you instinctively knew it or not, but you're already doing those things. And um, sure. you know, one thing I want to touch back on too, it sounded like you had some confidence at a young age. Was that instilled, do you think, by your parents or your experiences? Or do you feel like you had confidence or maybe not? Maybe not at all. Yeah, no, I think the confidence, it's a little bit of both, right? A little bit of, I think that at the end of the day, you have to believe in yourself, right, to gain that confidence. But, you know, it's not always that easy. You know, sometimes experiences allow you to have that confidence. Sometimes it tears that confidence away. Uh, so I mentioned my support system from a very early age with like my family. I had a lot of really close friends, coaches, um, all of those people really kind of helped me, um, you know, see things in myself that maybe I didn't necessarily see at the time that I see now. Uh, but I do think that not just the support coming from the outside, but then um, the work that I feel like I put in, not only as an, as an athlete, right? But then when I got into the coaching world and even before that, right? Like if you work your tail off and you feel like you're giving your best every single day, then you have no reason not to be confident in yourself, right? So it's, it's a little bit of everything. I, I don't think you can pinpoint it into one lens or one general area. Um, I do think support systems are important, finding a mentor, finding someone that you can you know, trust and rely on to help you. Um, but then also, you know, you're going to have to get out there and like do the work yourself, right? Like, and from doing the work yourself, I think that's where you build the self-confidence. And for myself personally, it's been that, you know, I wasn't super athletic. I'm not overly talented at the game of basketball, but I worked my butt off. Right. And that, and so when I was on the floor in college, I had the confidence that I knew that I deserved to be here because I worked hard. Uh, same thing once I got into coaching, right? Like I didn't know anything. I still don't know anywhere close to anywhere as much as the people that I'm even sharing an office space with right now. Right. But I know that I'm working hard every day and I'm continuing to build on that. And from that comes the confidence that I can keep growing and I can keep getting to points where they're at. And I hope to be at one day. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it goes back to, to those experiences that you had that shaped you along the way. It wasn't just playing basketball or a certain particular sport. It was doing different things like clubs and events mm -hmm. and whatnot. All those things sure. shape you. And uh, as you go through those things, you learn about yourself, you instill a little bit of confidence, but uh, the underlying theme, what you touched on, I was going to ask you about is that hard work because, sure. you know, going to play basketball, regardless of what level it's at, you have to put a lot of work in to mm -hmm. uh, refine your skill and your craft and, and get better each day. Was hard work instilled from your family at an early age, or was it something that you kind of just like, whatever you did, you just realized to, to be good at or to do anything is worth working hard at? Uh, it was definitely instilled from my family. Uh, my mom and dad both. Um, dad worked at Eli Lilly, the pharmaceutical company for 36 years, you know, and he went from taking a job there at 19 sweeping floors and doing that to, you know, where he was when he retired, which is a really impressive, you know, feat and something you don't see a lot of anymore. Uh, mom, the same way. Right. So, um, I like to think even being from a small town in Indiana, my family was, was super blue collar. Um, they, they always worked for what they had. So, you know, they, they taught me that, you know, I had chores when I was young, I had the things that I had to do. Right. So hard work was something instilled from me in the very beginning. And it was something that, 
I got a lot from sports too, with the help and guidance of my, my coaches and my family. I wasn't, I wasn't nurtured. I wasn't any of that. Right. Like if, if we were playing and playing basketball or I was in a league or some, whatever it was, right. I didn't win. Like, and I was, I'd be pissed off. I'd be upset, whatever, just like any kid or any high school or any college athlete, what would be right. But I was never, I was told it was okay to fail, but I was told that it wouldn't be okay to just accept it for what it was. Right. And I always just knew it's like, all right, I didn't win this or I wasn't the best at this. Okay, great. That means I need to, there's, there's more room to grow. So I got to get back to work, got to get back to work, got to get back to work. And that's, that's what I was always taught from a young age. And now it's just like second nature to me. Got to work, got to work, got to work. That's been the biggest part of it. Absolutely. Well, you wound up going to Wabash, uh, Wabash, um, and how, how did that experience, how did it unfold? And then what was that experience mm-hmm. like for you? Sure. Uh, so uh, I was recruited by a couple of Division three schools uh, in the Indy area. Um, didn't have a lot of like opportunities per se to go to different schools and stuff. But Wabash really stuck out to me. My cousin went there. Uh, so I already knew a little bit about it. And at the time, uh, the coach that recruited me was Mac Petty, who he retired going into my junior year there. Uh, but he won a championship there. Um, and is a legendary coach in the world of college basketball. You know, he's big in the NABC, the Hall of Fame, all that type of stuff. And he was there for a really, really long time. Uh, so, you know, he recruited me um, and did a really good job of on my visits and, and staying in touch with me, showing me the value that Wabash had outside of the basketball court. And again, I kind of mentioned it earlier. I didn't really have a ton of like professional basketball aspirations. I just knew that it was kind of the reality Right. So going to a school that was going to be not only challenging for me athletically, but challenging for me uh, academically, but then also socially as well. Um, I wanted to put myself in situations where I could grow my comfort level, um, even if that means being uncomfortable when I first get there. Uh, You know, the team I walked into there when I played was a top 25 team every single year, one of the best in Division three. Uh, and then academically, it's it's one of the top schools nationally in terms of academics and, and the rigorous parts of what that entails, right? So um, I knew that by going there, you know, I wasn't going to be able to just slack off academically just to play basketball. I knew that I was going to have to work every single day. Um, super small school, like 800 men. Uh, it was an all, all men school or an all boys school. Um, one of the few that's left, but, you know, that didn't really bother me because I knew what was going to come of it. Uh, you know, small class sizes, eight, nine guys in a class. So if you're not there, it's oh, wow. the professor knows. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't read, if you don't do your homework, if you're not up to date on what you're supposed to be doing, you, you can't hide that. So, um, you know, there were definitely days that I walked in late from a road trip or whatever. And, and I, and I heard about it, you know, but those types of expectations that they put on you for going to a school like that really helped mold me and is a foundational piece to, to who I am today. Um, the support system there too was unbelievable, not just from an athletic standpoint, but professors going to their houses and having dinner with them, meeting their families, the, uh, the guidance, I guess you call them guidance counselors, admissions counselors, those types of people that, that helped you get admitted, right? You, you stay in relationships with them as well. Like you, you still talk to them. Uh, I still talk to my coaches to this day. Um, I established really good relationships with the track and field coach, with the football coaches, the baseball coaches, like all of that. It's a very small, um, tight knit environment that really, really challenged you, but gave you the support system you needed to, to succeed. And, and it goes back to everything I've talked about, even 
Um, they're going to put you in uncomfortable situations, um, but they're going to be there to support you and help you. Um, you're going to be challenged, uh, but in the end, it, it was all worth it. And I always tell people if I had the opportunity to play division one basketball on a full ride scholarship or go back to Wabash, if I could do it all again, I, I'd go back to Wabash for four more years because of everything that it did for me as a person. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the things that I love that you talk about is, is finding opportunities to get outside your comfort zone. You know, one of my favorite quotes has been life begins at the end of your comfort zone. And I, cause I've looked back at my life and anytime I've taken those steps to get out of my comfort zone, even though yep. I don't like it in the moment, when you look back, it's absolutely one of the best things you could ever do because you've For grown sure. so much through it. Uh, regardless of positive or negative, you're going to learn something, you're going to grow some way. Um, Agreed. So anyway, but yeah, you talk about going there and, and you can see how the relationship component, like relationships at the core of, of the things that you do as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, what sure. a unique experience to be able to have relationships with all those different people. Yeah, uh, There's a, a level of intimacy that you get to have uh, sure. on a smaller smaller university or something like that. So that's a really yeah. cool experience. So real quick, yep. you mentioned that we, we met at Butler Camp uh, a, yep. a while back. It's been a while. <laughs> but yeah. uh, how did you wind up getting involved doing that in the summers? Uh, a random email. So I just, I knew that, uh, Brad Stevens at the time was the head coach and he played at DePaul university, which was the rival school to, to Wabash. And, uh, I was like, man, like Butler's pretty close to home. Um, obviously they'd been pretty successful, uh, or we're getting to the point where they were getting ready to have those back to back national championship runs. So, uh, I actually just, I emailed him. It was just like a super simple email, um, at the point I was like, man, I don't like, he's probably not going to take the time to even consider me like whatever. I'm sure he gets all types of emails and, and stuff like that. So, um, just mentioned that I was a D three guy looking to kind of find something to do in the summers. I was interested in the coaching stuff a little bit. I just love being around basketball and I have no problem with kids obviously. So, uh, just reached out to him and, um, uh, within like a day he responded, he's like, absolutely reach back, contact this person. We'd love to have you just let us know what days you want to work. Um, and that was one thing that I admired about Brad then, and I still admire about Brad now is, is he's, he's always been super personable, regardless of the situation he's been in. Um, busy guy, got a lot on his plate, but, you know, if I, I felt like I could send him a text message or whatever it was, and, or an email or whatever it may be to like stay in contact with him, I knew I would at some point in some capacity get a response. And uh, at the point, I didn't feel like I necessarily deserved that, but I, I do appreciate his willingness to do that. And um, even little things like that, right. Like are things that I take with me now, you know, people reach out to me all the time, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, text message, email, whatever it is. I, I do my best to try and respond to everybody. Cause I was in that position once too. Right. So, um, it was super, it was as simple as, as the initial email. And then after that, um, just getting a chance to build a relationship with him and the staff there and the players. Uh, and from there, it just kind of became like a consistent every summer thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's a great story too. Just having him, he's, he's incredibly busy at the time they were on their role, uh, going to those national championships. So obviously they're in the spotlight and, uh, taking the time just to get back a simple email, um, is really important. And obviously if you can pay that forward, that's awesome that you get to do that. Cause that's the same thing that happened to me. And I remember getting that email back. I was like, I was like, what? This you know? is great. At the time right. I was, that was my first step really into like major college hoops essentially. And, uh, yeah. It, it just really showed like I wanted to go to those programs like Butler where I felt like they had 
the head coach particularly had great values and still a great yes. culture wanted to do yes. things in a way if when I was coaching wanted to be like as a head coach and then have exactly. a great program as well and so just to, to reach out to someone that you really have high value and admire from afar and then to get a response I mean I remember I think you can ask some of my close friends I was pretty pumped when I got that yeah and uh oh for sure but it, it just shows like uh, no matter what level you're at, you know, treating people the right way and, and everyone's super busy. So sometimes you, you don't get responses and that's okay. But if you can, um, you know, treat people the right way in every situation and, um, yep. it's just a really cool thing. So that's, that's a cool experience you talked about. So you go through Butler camp and one of the things I wanted to touch on, because as you talk about the relationships that you made at that camp really helped get you into to athletics, uh, or in college basketball at the start. So, right. One of the things we've talked about on the show is that it's be where your feet are. So and it's something that I'm sure, you know, you you've been doing, um, but you don't have those opportunities to go to South Alabama. Had you not developed relationships and had you not done a really good job at camp, you know what I mean? Right. And yeah. so uh, that's something if you wouldn't mind touching on, you know, what are some things like even just working basketball camp? You know, what were you doing? You're being yourself, but you're right. probably working hard, doing a good job. Um you know, what were some of those things that you try to do whenever you're in a position that you're in? Yeah. Uh, so going like with camp, you mean specifically, or just like kind of in general, like the underlying. Like, yeah. Let's thing. go in general because, because it's uh yeah, it doesn't have to be camp besides. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I think, the, I think the biggest thing, and it's, it's funny because I, I talk a lot about it and I just keep, I feel like I sometimes a broken record, but I, I can't stress the importance of it enough. Is like the, not just relationships, but like genuine relationships. Right. And that's at any level. That's whether you're coaching players, that's whether you're talking with other coaches, whatever it is. Um, a lot of people, and I've seen it myself, um, get into situations where they try to develop a relationship with somebody because they know what could come of it. Right. Like I, I want to become friends with X because he has a job here and I think he could get me a job. And I think if you take that route, one, your life, your life fulfillment is not going to be where you want it to be, right? Because these aren't, those aren't real relationships. Like there's a difference between having someone's business card in your wallet and like being able to pick up the phone and ask them how their family's doing. Yep. Um, so to me, that was always the important thing um, was to develop meaningful relationships, regardless of what that person could offer you, whether that's the strength coach, whether that's the head coach of an NBA team, whether that's the maintenance guy doing repairs and wherever, right? Like those types of relationships in any capacity are valuable um, for yourself and for other people. So that's, that's the biggest thing is genuine, genuine relationships. And then the second one you talked about being where your feet are. Uh, if you spend, if you're in a position and you're, you're so worried about what your next move is that you're not doing your job now, you're never going to get to your next move. The work that you do in the place that you're at is what's going to get you your next opportunity. Um, and I was lucky enough, even in college, I would go to like the rising coaches academies and stuff during the final four. And I hear it all the time here now talking with guys at this level is, um, you know, your work ethic, your name, your reputation is built on the work that you put in every day, not the things that you're trying to jump to next. Um, so those are the two biggest things. It's just finding, finding ways to uh, do your job every single day, right? And that was a big thing at Butler, do your job. And we took it with us to South Alabama. Um, understand what your responsibilities are, are and maximize those. 
So do the very best you can every single day with the opportunities you're given. And when you do really, really good work with the responsibilities and opportunities that you're given, then you get more and then you get more and you get more and those opportunities grow and your responsibilities grow. And then that's when the next opportunity may come somewhere else, right? So being where your feet are, I think you hit on it perfectly, building genuine relationships and just making sure that you're elite at your job. And from that, instills, it instills trust with the coaches you're working with and the people you're around. And from that, those opportunities and responsibilities that you want down the road are going to come. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, real quick, touching on the, the genuine relationships, you know, what are some, are, are there any, uh, in your opinion, how do you go about developing just authentic, authentic relationships without any agenda and, and just getting to know someone for who they are, not, not what their title is or, or they can take you in the future? Yeah. So I think the most important thing initially when you're first getting to know somebody is finding something that you guys have in common, right? Shared interests breeds the rest of relationships, I think. Um, so finding something that you guys have in common or some type of common ground and interest is a really good way to start. Um, but honestly, there's, there's no like textbook way to do it in my opinion. Like you just, you have to have a, a sense of like love and care like that you want to just genuinely get to know people, right? Like you have to be able to compartmentalize a professional relationship with like an actual genuine, I care about this person relationship type of thing. Right. So yeah. um, I don't know if I have like an exact, like, these are like three bullet points to how you sure. build a genuine relationship. You just, you just be I curious, think, think, right? Yeah. You're, you're curious. You're curious about them. Um, listen more than you talk right? Let people tell their stories. And then from that, you know, you can build relationships through understanding, through being able to relate. Those types of things are important. Um, and then when you talk, like, don't always just talk about work. Like, it's very easy for me to just call someone and always just talk about basketball, like that. but I, I do it for a living, right? But um, find ways to get to know their family, get to know their background, get to know what drives them. What are they passionate about? Like, what do they care about? What do they love? Like those types of things are like super important. So uh, it's just wanting, it's just making the effort to, to do that kind of stuff as opposed to, hey man, hope all is well. Uh, if you need anything, let me know, right? Like that's how many text messages you get like that. Like, hey man, great talking to you. Like, if you ever need anything, let me know. Like, great. You know, everybody says that, but it's like, you, you should know the people that you can really go to when you need something. And those are the people that you build those genuine relationships with. Yeah, absolutely. That's such a great point. So you wound up going uh, to South Alabama with Coach Graves. Mm -hmm. You're down there for two two years as a GA. You know, talk yep. about real quickly making the decision to go down there. You said you're from Indiana. You've been there, you know, your entire life, and then now you're going to to Mobile, Alabama, sure. uh, which is you know a ways away from from Indiana. It's yep. a new experience. You're getting into coaching. Essentially, you're going to be able to have an opportunity to further ed education, which you wanted to do at the time. Yep. yep. But talk about the process of making a decision to actually go. Yeah, so um, I felt comfortable in the sense that I knew who Coach Graves was and what he stood for and the values that he brought to the table. So that made it a little bit easier, right? Like you want to work for someone. He's a guy that you want to work for, just like Brad. Um, in a perfect world, ideally, like I wanted to do my GA spot at Butler and then just ride off into the sunset, Division One coaching, all of that stuff. Um, yeah. It obviously didn't happen, uh, which is a blessing in, in itself. Um, so, you know, coach Graves, his willingness to, to give me the opportunity set it up to me that he believed in me to, to do the job. 
Um, the, the move itself, what it entailed, the lack of financial stability, all of that stuff was, was super uncomfortable. Um, but I had to look at it in a sense from like a big picture perspective, right? You have to, you have to understand that you're not going to graduate college and just walk right into the job that you've been dreaming of your entire life. You have to put in the work, you have to make sacrifices. Uh, and then back to like the self-confidence thing, you have to bet on yourself. Um, I've, I've bet on myself every year of my, you know, that I've been out of college even. Um, so being able to bet on yourself and just having the mindset and mentality that this is not going to be something you're used to. Um, there's going to be really, really difficult days. There's going to be long days. It's not going to be easy, um, but it's all going to be worth it in the end. And you have to be able to see within your day-to-day -day work, what things are allowing you to grow and be a better person. And you can find that in anything, sweeping the floor in your kitchen in the evening, whatever, right? Like everything that you do makes you a better person in some capacity. Um, I like to use the word opportunity a lot because I look at difficult situations as being opportunities, not being difficult situations, right? So um, while it was uncomfortable, um, while it did take me a little bit of time to adjust to the culture and my expectations there of what I was supposed to do with my job, everything to me was an opportunity. Um, having to get out of bed at midnight to go rebound for a guy that wanted to get into gym was an opportunity for me because I was able to build a relationship and sweat equity with a guy. Uh, the days I had to, at that point, drive a couple hours to go exchange film with somebody was an opportunity because I was doing something that was going to allow our coaches to do a better job uh, coaching or scouting or whatever, right? Um, so that's the biggest thing when you're handling difficult situations is one, see the bigger picture, look at it from a lens of, okay, this is going to help me because of this, right? And then again, even just changing the simple mindset of, man, I have to do this to man, like I get to do this. This is an opportunity for me um, to be able to do this, this, and this. And because of that, I'm going to be better, which is going to help me get to where I want to be. Um, so that's the biggest thing is just looking at those uncomfortable situations um, and training yourself mentally to not, not, not necessarily not care, but to understand, like just be comfortable being uncomfortable, if that makes sense. And the more situations you put yourself in, that allow you to be uncomfortable, the more comfortable you're going to feel in any capacity where you're, where you're feeling like you're struggling a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that right there, and then that, I mean, we could sum it all up in that right there because yeah. it, it's so good. Like finding opportunity, there's opportunity in everything. everything. It's just the way we think about it. Like our mindset that, mm -hmm. that makes the opportunity either a good one. It's a, it's what we make of it. Right. Yep. So yeah, that's great. Uh, so what you wind up going as a GA for two years, you want to be in the ops guy. Um, yep. you know, you were in college basketball, you had opportunity to get into the G league. Uh, uh, what was that transition? Like, did you ever think about being in the NBA or were you focused on being in college? Like, what were you thinking a little bit? I know you're focused on your job and doing the best you could at it, but what right. were you thinking? Uh, when I went down to South Alabama and I got the ops job after my grad assistantship, I was pretty confident that I wanted to stay in college athletics and, um, obviously love the NBA, love professional basketball, but at the point it's like, man, college basketball is great. The energy surrounding it, March madness, like you get to help kids in a really important part of their life, right? Like some of them are doing the same thing that I did when I took the GA spot. They're moving across country. They're going into a different culture. They're, 
they're leaving their family for the first time. They don't have any friends. They don't know anybody. All of these different things. We had a couple of uh, European players they are in a whole nother country. They're staying up until the odd hours of the morning just to be able to see their and talk to their parents, right? Um, so those types of things were important to me because I felt like I could really help them in those times. Um, so I always kind of thought that college was the way I wanted to go. Um, but obviously through relationships, again, I, I stayed in really good contact with Ron Norad, who at the time had been with the Celtics. He was back and forth kind of in the college ranks as well, um, but had landed in Brooklyn with Long Island. And, and me and him had talked a few times and, you know, he'd, he'd asked me, you know, what do you think about, you know, professional basketball? Would you ever want to do it? I'm like, yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting, but I, I don't really know. Um, and so I kind of, you know, I thought on it a little bit and, and finally one day he just called me out of the blue in July and was like, Hey, can I have a spot open with me on my staff? Um, you would be the head video guy and, and you would do all the video and, and stuff like that for our G league team. Uh, is that something you're interested in? Absolutely. Sent the resume. Uh, it happened to be that a couple of weeks later, I was going to, uh, the rising coaches conference or the pro scouting school in Vegas during summer league. So it was, it just worked out that I was going out that way anyways. I was going to interview for this position while I was out there. Um, and it really started to excite me kind of the week or two leading up to it, that this could be a real thing. Um, at the time, uh, just being completely honest, like as an operations guy, like it, it becomes difficult when you have a passion for coaching because you can't be on the floor. You can't run workouts. You're, there are days that you're stuck in the office, literally just watching the budget and planning your next road trip. Right. And you miss practice, you miss workouts. So it was, it was tough. Um, and I saw this um, as a potential avenue to get back into the world of coaching. Um, so it was something that was kind of exciting to me. Um, and the more I thought about it, the more, you know, I, I was intrigued by it. I talked to some other um, close friends of mine at the time who had made the jump to the NBA or the G league and they loved it. Um, so, you know, I felt pretty comfortable going into the interview that if the opportunity was presented to me, I would, I would take it. Uh, so the interview and everything went well in Vegas, um, got the job about a week later, um, and then made that jump. And that was a whole nother thing, not just jumping from doing a lot of administrative stuff to back into coaching, but just the level of the coaching, um, the expectations that were put on you, um, in that position. And then just my day-to-day -day responsibilities, which at the time I had done a little bit of video work, but I was never the point where you have to be inside and out head video guy. Everything is on you video wise. Right. Uh, and that was a huge period of growth for me as well. But uh, yeah, just the kind of, it was a, it was a kind of a quick transition, something I didn't necessarily expect, but something that once I thought about for a little bit, realized that that professional basketball would be a, a really interesting experience and something that you know i may find more interest in once i'm in it yeah absolutely well as you got into that experience how did it differ from being in college compared to being in the g league at the time uh the biggest thing was just my day-to-day -day work yeah um, i i had been familiar with sports code and the technology systems that we were using but not to the level that i that i was expected to be um and ron and i talked about that before i'm like man like like I know this video stuff, but it's going to, I'm going to, there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve for me here. Right. And, and Ron being like one of my mentors still to this day was very much like, no, I believe in you. Like, like you're going to be fine. Right. So I took the job. And again, same reason I went to Alabama or South Alabama, right. Like uh, my relationship and, and stuff with Ron allowed me to feel 
a little bit of comfort and I knew what he stood for. I knew the type of guy he was like, that's the type of guy that you want to work for, just like with Coach Graves. So again, another really good opportunity. And then I got there, got thrown in the fire. I'm back on the court. I went from handling budgets and game contracts to uh, my first two months on the job being in Brooklyn in a hotel and guarding pick and rolls with D'Angelo Russell, right? And it's just like, like, man, like this just, my eyes were just deer in headlights for like the first couple of weeks. And not just that, but then like the, the work ethic, not saying that I didn't work hard in college and not saying that the college world isn't hard because those are long hours as well. But you're on the court for three, four, five hours at a time. And it's just, it's exhausting. I remember staying with Ron the first couple of days that I got there and just falling asleep on the train on like the way back out to like Long Island because I was so exhausted. Yeah. And then getting, and then getting there and being like, man, like I've got to do this film work. Like you spend all this time on the court working out and you think your day is done and then you get home and you have a whole nother set of responsibilities. Right. So um, that was the big, biggest eye opening part of it. Um, just from that standpoint, not just the learning curve of, doing my job itself but just kind of the the details and the overall just like energy expended into a into a day of working with an NBA team or a G League team um, and that was the biggest thing I think the G League was a really good kind of middle ground for me because you know as coaches and video guys in the G League you know that's not your end-all be-all right like you you're you're there to continue to grow and you're there to continue to develop and learn and so are the players. So there's a lot of commonality between the two of you. Like, Hey man, like we're like, we have different paths, but we're really in the same boat, right? Like we're both trying to get to that next level now. Um, and so there was a little bit of that that allowed for um, relationships to be built naturally. You don't have the beautiful, you know, private planes and nice hotels on the road in the G league, you're flying commercial and staying in holiday and expresses. So um, even some of those like difficult moments where planes were delayed or the hotels weren't great or, or, you know, whatever the case may be, um, through those difficult times, it allows you to build relationships with guys, you know, through that as well. But I mean, all of those different things were, were really just eye opening to me and, and the biggest differences. Yeah. And, and one thing I just thought of, you know, you talked about as in the G league, you guys, everyone's there trying to grow and get better. Yep. Right. Uh, you guys as coaches are trying to, to continue to get better and grow. And then the players themselves are working to get on that NBA roster spot. So yeah. were there any players in particular that really uh, made a noticeable difference in the way that they they worked or their mindset and that enabled them to excel versus those that maybe didn't? And you don't have to have any particular names on the ones that didn't. But just what was it about the ones that were working like really hard and had this mindset to get to that next level compared to maybe those who, who didn't have an opportunity to do that. Yeah. So I think there's like, my biggest thing is probably you can almost separate it into like two separate categories, right? The first one is the type of players that show up into the G league and one are pissed off that they're there because they don't think they need to be, or they feel like they deserve to be there either one, right? I think that falls into kind of the same category. Like I deserve to be here. I'm a professional athlete, or this is bull crap. Like I deserve to be on an NBA roster. Like I didn't get the right opportunity type of thing. Right. So there's those types of guys. And then there's the guys that are, okay, I can see this as a growth opportunity. I'm here for a reason. Right. 
Now I'm not done yet. I'm going to, I'm going to get there. Right. So I think it's two different types of way of thinking. It's the growth mindset, right. Of, all right, I've got, I've got room to grow. I have opportunities presented to me here in the G league. That's going to allow me to do that. I'm not where I need to be. I haven't reached my ceiling. And then you have the other mindset that is looking at it from a pessimistic standpoint. I, I don't, I don't need to be here. I'm better than these dudes. Uh, you know, that type of thing. So um, those are the two major ways that you can see it. Um, I was lucky enough in my one year in Long Island with Ron. Uh, he did a really, really good job, not only building a culture there, but working with the GMs at the time, Trajan Langdon, who's in New Orleans, and then Matt Riccardi um, on bringing in a roster of guys who had that growth mindset and were willing to work. Um, it probably sounds super cliche, but there really wasn't anybody on that roster that had that like negative pessimistic attitude, right? And All that's tough to do. I mean, that's tough to do. To super get... tough to do in the yeah. professional level. Like getting a, like you're going to always have guys that are like that, but to have a full team of guys that are just super ambitious and super um, growth minded um, and just genuinely good dudes, right? Good values, you know, came from good backgrounds, worked their tails off. Like it was, it was one of the best years of my life in terms of coaching, just from that standpoint. Uh, and I could go through and name every guy, but you know, I understand we have a, a time commitment. Yeah. So, uh, but they, I, it was, it was really, really cool to see those guys grow. Um, and it, it wasn't always easy, right? Guys had injuries, guys went through, um, shooting slumps guys went through and you can see it at any level. Right. But those dudes had the mindset of, all right, like I did, I just got to keep working. I'm going to get there. I got to keep working. I got to get there. And, you know, some of them didn't get that NBA opportunity, but they're over in Europe now, or they're in China or they're making, you know, really good money at a high level professionally in other leagues. Um, and I think a little bit of that is um, their hard work, but it's also them being comfortable with themselves and understanding who they are, right? The reality is, you know, everybody in the G League wants to make the NBA, but the percentages are going to be against you from the beginning. So understanding who you are, the value that you bring, but also keeping the open-mindedness to other opportunities that, again, can help you grow with maybe the dream of one day making it to the NBA, but just in general, finding opportunities that's going to allow you to be successful um, in what you consider successful in your own life and career. And those guys did a really, really good job of that, not only from a player standpoint, but a coaching staff standpoint. Uh, Ron and I were talking about this the other week. I think everybody on that staff that year, uh, every actually yeah, everybody on that staff that year is on an NBA staff now. And, and a lot of that is a testament to, to Brooklyn, to the Long Island Nets, to Ron, uh, but even us as coaches, just challenging and, and growing within ourselves. Yeah. Well, and that, that's such a rare opportunity to be around a group of guys like that from a coaching perspective and from a player perspective, especially yep. at, at the professional level, because yes. there's just lots of different variables to go into it. So that's a, that's a really yep. cool experience in itself. Um, we got uh, some time coming. I want to make sure we get to some of this stuff with you, but yep. you wound up going from there, obviously now in Charlotte, you know, how did you wind up there? Uh, you talk about Ron. Was was Ron, uh, are you guys similar in age or was he a little bit older than you? Uh, similar in age, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Similar so, in age. So you had that relationship so that you grew up, you know, being a butler yeah. and having that relationship. So it's, pretty cool. It's super yeah, it's super interesting just because you think a lot of times as mentors is someone being like 
way older than you, right? Or someone that's been through the ring and the fire and stuff. And it's, it's super interesting that Ron kind of being my mentor through his experiences, but we're also the same age and just really, really good friends too. It's, it's cool. Yeah, that's, that's a cool component itself. Just having like mentors don't have to be older than you. They don't, you know, they could be younger. They could be the same age. Uh, yep. You know, they're people that want to help you learn and grow. And you obviously yep. work with, with him too. So anyway, that's another topic. <laughs> so yep. um, anyway, you wind up going to Charlotte. You're in Charlotte. Yep. Uh, how did that experience happen? And what's it been like in Charlotte? Uh, it's been awesome. So uh, when Ron took the, the position here, there was a video spot open. He recommended me. And then I, I went through the whole interview process with Coach Borrego. Uh, Quentin Crawford, who was the head video guy at the time, I'd be working under him. Uh, met with some of the guys in the front office, got the opportunity um, and came right in, got the job. And like two weeks later, I was completely moved in and, and on the court working here. And it was, uh, again, another opportunity for growth. Uh, the way we did things in Brooklyn and Long Island are completely different than the way that things were being done here in Charlotte. Um, the one kind of common denominator was the San Antonio background between both with Sean Marks and Trajan and some of these other guys having San Antonio experience. Um, and then coach Borrego, uh, here, Dutch Gately, uh, who's one of our PD guys. So there was a lot of similar values. And again, we talked about it a lot, right? Like going to workplaces where, where you align with the values that are, that are being done there. So, um, that made it a, an easier transition than it was from like college to the, um, G league from a lot of different aspects, especially because I've worked with professional athletes now for a year, which was a huge part of it. Um, but again, the workflow of things, um, the expectations, all of those things changed when you come to a new place. So, uh, the learning curve early on was a little bit rough. Um, I knew what I was doing from a standpoint, but to match what they wanted me to do, it was different. Right. So, um, the ability to adapt quickly and learn on the fly, um, and be able to like retain that kind of stuff. So you don't have to continuously be coached or continuously be um, told to do something. Um, I think it's extremely important at any level and in any work, uh, work field. Um, so that was a, a big part of it. Um, and again, lucky enough that, that coach Borrego, coach Iski, coach Triano, Dutch Q, all these guys that were here my first year, uh, Ron, were all awesome dudes to work for very understanding, um, very growth oriented still, um, and very willing to, to help. Um, so you surround yourself with really, really good people like that on a day-to-day -day basis, you're, you're going to end up being successful in some capacity. Right. So, um, it's been awesome even to this day in my new role, still working with the same guys, the relationships I've developed with all of these guys, um, the trust that they have instilled in me, um, and the growth that that trust has allowed me to have has been super beneficial for me, um, in my own personal development. Right. Um, but it all started in year one as an assistant video guy. Um, doing all the, the manual labor work, right? Like everything from rebounding and workouts to cutting games at 11 o'clock at night to coming in the next morning and filling the fridges with water, right? Like there's no, there was no job too big or too small. Um, and I still feel that way now in my position, there's no job too big or too small for, for anybody in any, in any field. So, um, it's just been super beneficial. I'm continuing to grow every single day. Um, and it, and it's all thanks to, not only the people here, but obviously everybody I've kind of mentioned on the way to get me here. So it's been great. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot in that too, but just uh, being willing. And one thing you say plenty of times is opportunity, uh -huh. all these opportunities, big or small, just be willing yep. to do it. Yep. Um, are there any things that you've gotten to learn from the coaches that you've been with uh, in Charlotte 
um, that really stand out to you? Like what are some, some qualities uh, of the guys that you're around on a daily basis? Uh, willingness to help others is a huge part of it. Uh, I don't think that anybody in life will be successful by themselves. You're not going to grow up by yourself and just, unless you hit the lottery, you're going to, you're going to need very rare. You're going to need other people in your life to help you as much as you help them. Right. So I think that our staff has a very good dynamic when it comes to that, the understanding that um, building each other up, um, helping each other, um, all of those different things are allowing all of us to grow. We have coaches on our staff that have coached on Olympic teams, uh, have won NBA championships, you know, have been in the league for 25 plus years, and they're still trying to grow every day. And they're not above going to help rebound or run a workout or do whatever it is that needs to be done. Right. So uh, I think that's a really important value is just uh, the ability to help others. And then just the genuine like love and care that they have, not only for the staff in the office here, but like with the players. And I, I don't think I've stressed it enough, but I've, I've talked about the relationship aspect from coworker to coworker, coach to coach, but obviously with your players too. And we're in a, we're in a point now in the NBA and in basketball in general, where um, being able to build relationships and maintain that trust between player and coach is at like an all time high um, and being able to relate to them. So um, those are obviously really important values um, the other thing that I really appreciate is, is just the work ethic of, of some of the guys here. You know, they, they're here early in the morning, they stay late at night, they stay up all night sometimes when we have back-to-backs to prepare for scouts, right? No one takes shortcuts in Charlotte. We, we do our jobs and we do it really well. And we do it to the highest level possible. And that's something that um, I've gotten from them and from, you know, my mentors and, and coaches in the past. And it's something that they bring to the table here. Um, and then the last thing really is just kind of the, the forward thinking of this group. Uh, We have a really good base of kind of understanding of how things have been done in the NBA for the last five years, 10 years, 15 years, but we're always looking for the next thing that the league is going to turn into, right? Like basketball shifts and paradigms, right? It's always going to be a little bit different. At one point, guys like Shaquille O'Neal and Yao Ming are, are dominating the league. And now you're playing five guys on the floor at a time, right? That, uh, are all the same size and can play multiple positions. And I know this is a little bit more X's and O's, but it's the thought process and the uh, forward thinking that this staff has to continue to look for kind of what that next piece is going to be that could give us an advantage here in Charlotte. Um, and then just their overall care and, and the player development part of it too here. We have a super young group. So working with these young guys and, and allowing them to grow, um, that kind of brought me to like kind of my favorite quote that we talk about a lot here is one of the most dangerous phrases in the world today is this is the way we've always done it. Right. And I think we do a really good job here of, of questioning that and, and not allowing that to be kind of what our day to day is like. Yeah. And that goes into each day, getting better, growing, trying to find new opportunities to, to make yourself better each day. Absolutely. I really, I really like that. You guys need to have the slogan, uh, no shortcuts in Charlotte. I like that. It's got a good ring no to it. No shortcuts in Charlotte. <laughs> that just it just kind of flowed out we've actually we've, we've talked about not taking shortcuts all the time and making sure we do our jobs but yeah uh, I'm, I'm gonna have to take that with you, the coach after yeah yeah you got call. something there yeah you need to put that in front of them so <laughs> trademarks um you would talk about leadership and culture building culture how do you guys go about i mean you touched on it right as you touched on those things i mean 
there's a quote that, that goes around a lot too. It's is people don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. And obviously yeah. I think that's one of the biggest qualities just in what you just talked about, you know, caring for uh, each other on the staff, working hard alongside people. Like when you see someone working, that's in a, maybe a, a higher status position, you know, that they're willing to do the work. They know that yep. uh, you care, they care. And then obviously yep. it just creates this, this level of trust. Yep. And I think that's a, a big component of how good cultures are built. So you guys are obviously doing that in, in Charlotte. Um, yep. You have a young, you said you have a younger nucleus of guys. So, um, you know, how do you go about continuing to instill kind of those attributes, that culture, sure. th that leadership with those guys as you continue to build? Yeah. So it's a little bit different than what you would be able to do in college, right? Like the first one, and it's the most obvious is um, the relationship aspect is so important because the guys at this level are so smart when it comes to basketball related stuff, right? So uh, the you know, you know a lot as a coach, but they know a lot as a player because they've been doing it for however many years, right? So um, being able to build the trust between the two of you that we're all going for a common goal is super important. Now it's a little bit different here because of our young group, right? So we have to find ways um, to give them experience in the off season, just as much as we do like in season, right? So um, and that comes with building the culture and stuff like that. So a couple of examples of that is, is bring, trying to bring in veteran guys, right? My first year here, we had Marvin Williams. Um, we've had Cody Zeller the last couple of years as well. Um, another Indiana guy, I'm just make my mark there. We brought in Gordon Hayward, another Butler in Indiana Butler, guy yeah, as yeah. well. Um, so it's nice to have some Indiana people around. But uh, no, those guys have been through the fire, right? So as much as the players and we hope they listen to us and the advice that we give them and the things that we talk about at the end of the day, they're going to listen to their peers way more than they're going to listen to us. Right. So bringing in um, veteran guys who align with your values and your culture is a great way to do that because it allows you to establish what you want it to be in the locker room without you physically having to be in the locker room. Um, another big difference I think that kind of plays into it is um the college ranks to me is a little bit more about like the coach and coaching staff is supreme, right? They run everything. The players listen to that. They do what they're told, right? At the professional level, even in the G league and the NBA, it's more of a working two-way relationship, right? There's going to be times that we're uh, preparing a scouting report for the Lakers and we're trying to figure out how to guard LeBron. And we, we present the scouting report to the team and they need to be like, well, why do you think we should do it this way? And you tell them they're like, well, well, that's going to be really tough for us to do. What, what if we do this instead? And it's an on working back and forth relationship with the players. Um, so I think that's a little bit different um, from that standpoint as well, but it goes back to having higher IQ guys, having veteran guys that have been in the league that can show um, the, the ways to respectfully communicate with coaches and players back and forth. Right. So um the league and how you address guys and how you handle that is all totally different than the way you would do it in college. Uh, so bringing in guys that fit your culture, um, bringing in veteran guys that allow you to mold the culture to what you want it to be um, are really key kind of facets for that. And then trying to just find guys um, experience any way you can watching film with them. Um, during COVID last year, we sent all of our guys like classic playoff games right for them to watch to try and like build their database of understanding because it's so crazy like some of these young guys don't know who 
you know, older guys were that played on like the San Antonio championship teams or played on the Miami heat championship teams. Right. So um, guys that we grew up idolizing, you know, some of those guys don't even know who they are. So I'm trying to expand their IQ in that sense and and do stuff like that is it's all, it's all an encompassing part of not only development, but like the cultural piece as well. And I think development is an important part of like what we do here culturally. Yeah. I didn't know if you send a bunch of highlights of MJ's playoff games because I saw the the thing on your shirt, obviously. (laughs) Oh, no. They they know who he is, hopefully. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing there's a, you know, a lot of people talk about the best teams are player led teams, but really the best teams like you talk about, it's more integrated, you know, yes. they're, they're great player led teams, but they're also great coach led teams and it's integrated to find the yeah. best way possible to, to go in and execute a game plan to guard a team, you know, so there's yep. lots of different variables like that. Obviously you guys are doing that. You know, as you talk about players, are there certain guys that you've gotten to be around that you're like, this guy is just different because he just has this mindset or he works extremely hard because everyone to get to this level works extremely hard but what separates um some of the best from the the very best in your opinion uh attention to detail at the at at this level whether it's coaching or players um everybody's good at what they do right like you said everybody's here for a reason so um we talk a lot about attention to detail and we talk about um the intangibles a lot And even guys that are coming in for draft workouts right now, we talk about that. Like you guys are here doing a draft workout for a reason. We know what you can do. Now show us what's going to separate you. So being vocal, leadership, bringing energy every single day. It's the second day of a back-to-back and we've lost four games straight. Like, are you still going to have the same energy as you would if we've won five in a row? Um, uh, Being willing to help out a teammate, being a good teammate in general, right? Um, doing the little things, studying the scouting report, being prepared for personnel stuff. Um, just those little things allow guys to really separate themselves. You hear about Kobe all the time, right? And MJ and these dudes with unrealistic, like work ethic, right? Uh, that's all real. Like Kobe and MJ are Kobe and MJ because one, yes, they were blessed genetically to be able sure. to do a lot of the stuff they're doing, but they didn't just stop there. You know, you see, you see guys that get to this level and feel like they've made it, you know, the average life expectancy for life expectancy is a terrible word, but the, the average career expectancy sure. of an average NBA player is like three to four years, right. At the most. So if you've been in the year, if you've been, and that's really just outside of like your rookie contract, right. So what are you going to do to separate yourself? Are you going to find the the value and the details? Are you going to be working every single day? If you're, if you're overweight, are you going to change your body? If you're too little, are you going to change your body? Are you going to fix your shot? Are you going to work on left-handed pocket passes and pick and rolls, right? Those detailed things um, are what really separate. And I, I talked about Marvin before um, and Kimba, Kimba Walker, you know, being here with him my first year in NBA All-Star. Those dudes' level of detail um, in their workouts was was something that really stood out to me and was really impressive, you know? Um Another different aspect that differentiates from college is I, uh, when you do workouts in college, I always feel like everybody's 110%, go, go. Like, you know what I mean? Like coaches are screaming on the sideline, pace, yeah. all this stuff. Um, that stuff is obviously really important, but at this level, it becomes less about that and more about like, are you putting your right foot in the right place on your right to left crossover? Where is your shooting line at when you start your shot, when you catch the ball? It becomes more focused on details 
Um, and the guys who have been really, really good for a long time are the ones that embrace that, right? Marvin Williams would shoot after every practice and would make 10 shots from five spots, right? So 50 shots total and would be pissed off if he made 48 out of 50, right? And we, we, we just run it back. Or he would have to make a certain amount of shots from each spot where he felt that it, like, it, may, it may go in every single time, but it would go in. He's like, I didn't like it. Didn't hit the back, didn't hit the back of the rim. I uh, hit the right side of the rim. Didn't like it. Left side of the rim. Didn't like it. I uh, hit the front rim. Didn't like it. So we would just sit there and his attention to detail of like the perfection of that kind of stuff. Uh, basketball is an imperfect game, but you should always strive for it to be right. Perfect. Yeah. It's never going to get there, but that's what drives guys like Marvin and Kimba and those guys to keep showing up and, and coming to work every day. Oh, absolutely. And that's been the most important part. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That, that makes perfect sense. Attention to detail, obviously work ethic, you know, the prerequisite is working hard. Like you, you have to work hard to get that level. And then when you have that attention to detail, um, it makes sense why that is a separator. And speaking For of sure. like, uh, you know, Kobe and MJ, obviously do you, do you get to see, uh, MJ very much or is he around? He's around. Yeah. He'll, he'll, he'll come, uh, comes quite a bit, um, uh, as the off season dwindles down, be around for the draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he, he, he's definitely here like during the season um, for, for some home games. It's uh, I don't, I don't fanboy very much if that's a word, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. you know, I, I'm around like, you know, you're, you're scouting LeBron, you're scouting all these different dudes that you grew up watching. And like, it's not that big of a deal to me. They're just people. Yes. Right. But there, there's a, there's a little bit of an aura around Michael Jordan. Right. Yeah, like he, yeah. he walks in the building and, and you know, he's here. Um, I've had the opportunity to obviously have a lot of conversations with him and stuff like that. And he's, it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, but he's exactly what you would expect him to be. He's a competitor, right? He's tough nose. Like he, all the stuff that he was as a player, he still is as a person after the fact, but he's, he's a, he's a genuine guy. He's a, he's a good guy. He's going to tell you, he's going to be honest with you. Um, he's going to cut it straight with you. Um, he shows that he cares. All of those things are super important, right? And as a coach and as a player, um, those are the most important things, right? Honesty, caring, um, and doing his best from his standpoint to to be accountable to to what's going on here. So mm-hmm. um, he's he's been great to have around, and especially for our young guys too, you know. So, uh, but no, it, it's definitely cool when when he walks in the walks in the building. You sure. Know. <laughs> yeah, that's a unique experience that you get to have right there. So very cool. Well, I want to honor your time, kind of wind down here. We've got a little fire round for you. So I want to ask you a few questions, like a a word and you finish the sentence. So perseverance. Stay the course. Tough times don't last, but tough people do. So stay the course, be consistent, believe in yourself. Love it. Favorite NBA destination. Mm. Toronto, Canada. Toronto. Okay. Is that, what you mean? is that like where I've where we've been or where I've like worked? Oh no 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 yeah That's where like, where you've been general. like you like to go to uh, besides Indiana I was gonna say besides Indiana going home. Mm, <laughs> it's 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 so disappointing because no one besides myself looks forward to Indiana. Indiana. There. <laughs> but yeah no Toronto, um, awesome city, very very diverse, a lot of different cultures all matched into one. Great food, awesome. Awesome. Vision is. Vision is. Waking up every day and doing what you're passionate about. Find your passion, find your why, know what 
that means to you and wake up every day and find a way to go chase it. Awesome. Favorite basketball experience that you've had? Uh, it's actually just recent would be, um, we were in the play-in game this past year for our, uh, at the end of the season, playing the Pacers in Indiana of all places. Um, so that's probably my favorite one because it was the first time that I've had the opportunity to go through the process of what it's like to prepare for like a playoff series and the amount of detail and scouting and stuff that goes into it is mind boggling. Didn't sleep for like two or three days, but it was one of the <laughs> coolest experiences of my life to be able to do that and then go into the game and play. Yeah. Not the outcome we wanted, but yeah. Story. Well, it won't be the last. That's for sure. It won't be the last. Um, it all comes down to. It all comes down to love. It's deep philosophical. No, uh, it all comes down to love love your players, love the people you work with, love, love what, what you, you do. do. Yeah. Just, it comes down to love because from love is passion, right? And from passion comes energy and from energy, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Well, awesome. That's done with the fire on. But you know, one thing as I think about, uh, cause there's two questions left, but one thing as I think about, I look back at our, just our brief experience getting to, to meet a Butler and then obviously staying a little bit connected throughout your career. Um, yep. you know, I think, what I noticed about you is obviously passion. I think that's the, yeah. like the first thing when I, when I met you passion for basketball I mean, yeah. is pretty apparent. Yeah. And obviously because you're passionate about it, you work extremely hard at it and you've had a lot of great opportunities because of that. So I love sure. that you talked about loving what you do, having passion for what you do, because that is the, you know, in my opinion, one of the epitomes of you, like you have a great passion for what you're doing. And I sure. think that that is probably why there's been a lot of success in my opinion for you. Mm -hmm. And there will be down I, the road too. It'll continue. Well, I, yeah. I appreciate that. I still can't show this to the people who signed my checks, but it's still, I still think I'm getting away with theft that they pay me to do this every day. You know, yeah. I haven't worked a day. I haven't worked a day in my life. So it's been awesome. That's awesome. Well, the last two questions, is there a certain piece of best advice that you've ever received? Uh, yeah, I, I could, I have all types of, unbelievable advice that I've been given that I try and instill in my day-to-day -day thing, but it, it really just comes down to the first one is, is getting to know yourself and be yourself, right? I think everything starts from there, not only finding what you're passionate about and what you love, which then can help you find the path you want to take in life, but just being comfortable with who you are. Like we live in a world today where so many people are caught up in making sure that they look really good for what others see. And in reality, there's just not a lot of happiness there, right? So I think the best way to live a fulfilled life is to have like an understanding and a comfort of who you are, what you're about, what you love and, and all of that. That's probably the most important thing. And then the second piece of it is just going after whatever it is that you dream of, right? Like so many people just settle just for a paycheck or things like that. And the reality, and the advice I was given in college and high school, all these different things when I was in college, coaching, making the jump to the NBAs is go for it, right? Like you can't be afraid to bet on yourself and you can't be afraid to take chances um, for opportunities that can open up a whole new world and give you a whole different perspective on what your life means and, and the fulfillment you get from it. Yeah, that, that's great advice. And hopefully that's an encouragement to people that, you know, if they got a dream, go after it, right? Go after it. Yep. Um, this podcast is called Building Excellence. What does building excellence mean to you? Building excellence to me is a little bit of everything we've talked about today, 
vision, perseverance, all of that. It's not always going to be pretty. It's not always going to go the way you want it to be, right? But building excellence is taking the positive experiences and the negative experiences and using them both to continue to push yourself forward for growth. Um, and I, I think that's the, the biggest part. And, and building excellence also to me is finding that joy and fulfillment in your life in every facet of it, right? Um, waking up every day, going to bed every night, knowing that, that you did everything you could to help others, to love others, to care about other people, um, to provide that type of to leadership and direction for some. Um, and then just going to bed, knowing that you're comfortable with who you are and, and where you're at. Yeah, that's great. Um, Jordan, thanks so much for being on the show. Really appreciate thanks it. Really appreciate me. your insight, your story. All of what you share today is, is so good and it's so applicable and, and can be taken and, and applied in anybody's life. So, uh, and continue to, to do what you're doing. Really appreciate you coming on the show and, and look forward to, uh, coming back and, and whenever you have that favorite basketball spirit, it's uh, winning a, a championship. Yep. So got it. Yep. That's, that's the goal. That's All right, man. Well, so, thanks so much right, thank for being on. I appreciate again, it. I appreciate it. Thanks. Yep, thank you. Hey everyone. It's Bailey miles. Thanks again so much for tuning in. We hope you found value in the show. And if you enjoyed it, we would really appreciate you sharing the show with a friend, subscribing on Apple or Spotify podcast, writing a quick review or leaving a five-star rating. When you do that, it really helps get the message out and allows more people to hear these stories and help them build excellence in their life, leadership, and legacy. If you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me via email. It's bailey at baileymiles.com. Follow us on social. We're on all the different social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Or check out our website at baileymiles.com. Once again, I'd love to hear from you, so definitely do that. And then thanks again for joining me on this journey. And remember, life begins at the end of your comfort zone.